I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the recap of the Giro d'Italia Stage 14. This coverage, as always, is presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. 148K stage with a circuit. From Santana to Turin. So the circuit they do is incredibly difficult. They have the Superga 5Ks, 8.2%, followed by Colle della Maddalena, 3.6Ks, 7.3%. They do that twice. The descents are technical. The finish has a little kicker called the Parco del Nobile with an intermediate sprint with bonus there and then there's a sort of descent to the finish. So those climbs, like the Superga has a 10% section at the start. Madalena is very, very hard. It's like 12.5% for the first K, 9.2% for the second K, incredibly steep gradients. So would a break win? Would Yates go on the break with Formolo and Balcomolema? Would GC would GC teams try with perhaps Almeida on, on the ropes with riders in the break like Formolo, etc.? But before we get to the where it really kicked off, a word on our show partners, Wift. If you want to get stronger on the bike in any season, any conditions, maybe even when it's too hot to train outside, particularly during the day watching the Giro, it's a heat wave in Europe right now, then Zwift is your best indoor cycling partner. If you want to check out Zwift and get a free seven-day trial, you can go to the link down below to Zwift.com. Thanks to Zwift, as always, for being the presenting sponsor of LRCP. An interesting stage, pretty much from the start, Benji, with another MVDP attack out of the neutral zone. Yeah, quite certainly. Uh, the similar attack to the one he did uh, a few days ago, where he tried riding alone in front of the peloton, hoping that a breakaway would form behind him. Eventually, uh, that was not the attack that would make the breakaway happen, because his first hour of this race was people fighting for a breakaway. And the thing that I said before the stage started on Twitter was that the only thing I feared when I looked at this parkour is that the initial part was a bit flat and that I feared that we might see an easy breakaway getaway, but that was not the case. That was completely the opposite because that breakaway did not get away until like starting the uh, first proper climb on this parkour. And that's when we saw riders like uh, Diego Rosa going in the breakaway once again for his blue jersey points, the KOM jersey, and he's doing pretty well in that classification. Uh, I think he's like, on like 90 plus points or something first but anyway so he's pretty safe in that but the gc riders can pick that up as well if they uh, start winning a lot in the last week when it comes to the other riders that eventually got into a rather large breakaway it included some riders that you'd say okay this is someone that is actually uh of proper caliber like for example we saw alessandro kovi from uae like you mentioned which is a teammate of almeida and is ahead in this race together with also Ivan Sosa teammate of Valverde in the breakaway here. 
We see the rider like Ben Zwiha from Bora Hansgrohe. They tried a few times, these teams, trying to get other riders in the breakaway. I think Formula tried for UAE, but Kovi was the one that eventually ended up being in the breakaway. And I think those are the most important names really in that breakaway. There were, were other riders like Dombrowski and Zana and so forth. And even Kodovalovas, rider from Grupama. And god damn, that guy was good today. Jesus Christ, he was a godlike climber today. And like, you would expect this man to like perhaps stay with Demar today and try and get him safely to the line. But no, Grupama said, we're going to try and get somebody in the breakaway. They tried with Walter. They failed with Walter. Kono Valovas was the man that was in there. And hell of a ride by that man. But hey, then um, action would start kicking up in the peloton a bit later. If you see a team with a rider in the breakaway and then they start pacing behind, it means that they mean business. And that's exactly what Bora Hansgrohe meant today. Pacing hard with, I don't know, who initially started pacing for them, Benji? It was on descent. They were working to bring it back. Aliotti. Aliotti, he's a good sort of young Italian rider. And then they eventually catch the breakaway as they start the Superga climb uh, with Almeida, Marta, and Valverde struggling. But before then, they call Zvihoff back and they're getting Zvihoff to work. He was a satellite rider. But UAE didn't call Kovi back, at least quickly, Benji. This seemed to be a repeat to me of the Hirschi Basque Country Stage 6, where the car is really slow to react to a dangerous situation calling riders back. Yeah, and I'd like to even pull it back a bit earlier. It was Bora that, like you said, took that up in that descent before we got to that Seperga climb. And that's when Almeida was having trouble. Almeida was not positioned in the right place, so that either mentions that he was personally involved in not being in the right position that he needed to be in, or the team didn't prepare him in the first place to be in the right position at that point in the race. But when he is in a bad position and is on a gap, because at a certain point, that's where I saw Bora right at the front with Carapaz, a rider from Ineos, and Simon Yates in their wheel. And that was it for a second. And then groups started going back left and right with some other GC riders and so forth. But like you mentioned, they end up calling Zwihov back before UAE makes a decision of calling Kovi back to help out Almeida. So in my opinion, this is a, a complete tactical fuck up from them, from UAE, because if you look at the time that Almeida has to spend chasing himself even before Kovi is even called back, it's insane how slow they responded to that. And the first thing I thought about the second that Almeida was not in that front group was... Kovi needs to be called back. And the fact that they didn't do that instantly, they either trusted the other riders with him to bring him back themselves, which I didn't. And after that, they kind of left him for himself because I saw a view from behind, from behind the group that Almeida was in, just before the Superga, with Almeida pacing with Formula sitting up in like fourth wheel or something. And perhaps Formula had paced beforehand, perhaps Formula was planning to pace on Superga. I think a rider from UAE was pacing on Superga. I don't know if it was Kovi from the breakaway then or someone that was sitting with Almeida. But all in all, I think that they were very slow to respond. They weren't prepared for something to happen in that situation. And yeah, Almeida spent so much energy trying to come back to uh, the group of Carapaz and Bora there. Yeah, so he saves it. If he doesn't get to that group before the top of this is the first superga climb he could be losing minutes because his descending is 
horrendous, uh, like Martinez level, absolutely horrific. It plagued him the entire stage. And there's a false flat, a descent, and Kelderman, this was like Vuelta stage 20 last year. If a team like Bora has Kelderman, a strong rider pacing, Bahrain had Padun and Maida, you will get cooked and you can lose minutes. So he saved his Giro on that Superga climb, just Almeida. But then it was Kelderman just pacing the entire time, pacing the first Colle della Maddalena and just really destroying the race for Carthy, Valverde, Aronsman, the main guys that missed it. But no one in the top five or top six had really missed it. Juanpe Lopez Patron was still there. He took a bid on, didn't like what was in it, threw it down or the musette. <laughs> Dangerous, to be honest. It was, actually. I think Valverde changed bike with the car in front, which also isn't allowed. Not sure if I get disqualified or not, like Ghana did in Provence. But here's where... I kind of had problems with Bora done a great job. They've activated the race. They have three in the first group. Bookman and Hindley are really close on GC and threats. And they get to the base of the Superca. And I'm not sure they never showed the front on camera shot, whether it was Carapaz or Hindley who attacked first. And Kelderman pulls off. Great job by him. But Bookman's gone. And so their strength in numbers pretty much evaporated and it become a man-on-man battle between Juanpe, Nibali, Landa, Carapaz, and Hindley with Bookman drop. What would you have done if you were Bora with that group of eight with only Landa with a teammate? Well, it looked like they tried to actually form a bit of an attack there. It looked like they were setting something up because from the back angle, I saw that the second Bora rider, which in that position was Buchmann, Buchmann was behind Hindley at the moment of that attack. And Buchmann seemed to lose the wheel, perhaps on purpose, when Hindley made a move and Carapaz jumped to his wheel. So I was like, they're trying to set something up. They're trying to see if Hindley can get away here. But I think if you have three riders in a group, then you need to try and use that as much as possible to yeah, get a rider ahead and try and force others to have to chase that rider. You remember kind of get that feeling because now they kind of kept pacing with Kelderman until they had to do something with one of their other two riders and then you're creating a situation where you're against two riders from Bahrain still in the group for example unless you attack at that point which they did with Hindley and um, I don't know I would have expected them to play out the numerical advantage more beforehand yeah and maybe even losing a wheel on the descent because it's even if Bookman didn't have it, which he didn't, he didn't lose loads of time, but even if he didn't really have it to do a proper attack, just even a bait attack, just to get Carapaz to respond at the base yep. of Superga, just so Hindley's on the wheel and can counter, because Hindley was, I think, the strongest on the climbs today, the strongest on the descents, and seemed to have the most energy at the end of the stage too. But the problem was... If you attack at the base of the second last Superga with Carapaz in the wheel, you have to be ridiculously better to get a gap. And that didn't happen. Maybe Carapaz, again, haven't seen the front on shot. Maybe he's like, let me make this a one on one battle. And he attacked to get rid of Almeida and Bookman straight away. Yeah. And also for Jan Heerd, of course, the, the man, the myth, the legend of February, also still in that group, dropping at that point, Pozzo Vivo as well. So multiple riders were affected by that move. Landa was indeed the stronger, like you mentioned, but 
can we talk about Los Qualo de los Tretos, Vincenzo Nibali being able to follow that move, like crazy stuff. And I felt like whenever I was looking at Vincenzo Nibali in this race, I think he had the issue that he was being somewhat desperate to win to the point where he was willing to close every single move on climbs. Did you have the same feeling? I don't know if he's riding for third. Is he riding for the podium on GC? He's on three minutes. And with Mm -hmm. these legs, if he's like maybe if Hindley and Carapaz, who he was with, they're they're there on Superga, they've dropped Lander, Juanpe Lopez has dropped, Almeida's dropped. He's like, if we three go and we take two minutes, I'm on for a podium in GC, which (laughs) is bigger than a stage, in my opinion, and the legs he's had on Blockhouse and here are ridiculous. So I think he was caught in two minds, whereas Yates was 100% stage, all day following, not initiating. And it came back with Carapaz neutralizing Hindley. They've thrown a couple of attacks at each other and Lander comes back. Bilbao comes back. Bookman even comes back and he does try a faint attack. And it's Benji mentioned it was closed by Nibali. But before we get into the last Coladella Malalena, GCN Plus is the supporting sponsor of LRCP's Giro coverage and tomorrow is a stage I think you have to tune into after today's action the last stage before the second rest day it's got two cat ones and a 20k mountaintop finish I can't wait to see what happens and if you want to tune in GCN has the live coverage and on-demand highlights in every location that GCN Plus is available except New Zealand. You can get 25% off if you're in Australia, Canada, US, UK, and Germany through the link down below. Group comes back together on Superga, the last one. It looks like Landers put Bilbao on the front to pace. And Carapaz attacks Benji. No one responds, and he's immediately given 15 seconds. And it's a long way to the finish, but he's attacked this long before. 25Ks to the finish with the steep Colle della Maddalena to come. I really like the attack because if you are isolated, you will be attacked with Bilbao on the descent possibly or Buchmann on the descent or Hindley. I don't know. I really liked it. I firmly agree. He's got He's done this before. Like He's done this before and it has failed a few times because other teams started conspiring against him, like Movistar in that. Tour de France attack, I think, last year. And then the chasing group in that was a tinier stage as well, was able to catch him again. But looking at this attack, it was at the moment near the top of that Superga climb. He was able to get the, in- the initial gap already because no one initially responded and the acceleration was fast enough to get a gap so that other riders just started looking at each other. And Buchmann wasn't looking too outrageous after what happened on the previous climbs. And Hindley was kind of looking at Buchmann. And then Bahrain was looking at, well, Bilbao. And yeah, like that. And Ibali won't take over in that situation unless he's really, really desperate to try and do something here. But it wouldn't be a, a good tactical choice to do so. So eventually he got a gap of 15, 17 seconds instantly before, uh, before they basically kept that up that same gap until they started that uh, Madalena climb and that's where action started kicking again like these percentages on that Madalena climb pretty damn solid it's the same climb they did before and now it was not really the attack of like a Bora or a Bahrain that did something there Vincenzo Nibali tried again he tried doing something again at the uh bottom of that Madalena kind of a not necessarily like a fierce attack but that typical Nibali kick where he kind of 
ups the speed a tiny bit and checks how everybody is doing. And Hindley was able to follow so easily there. And I thought, okay, well, Nibali, if you get over this Madalena climb, descends the line, mate. Well, there's a little hill in the end, but descends are your thing, mate. Just hold on to whatever Hindley does and make sure you get closer to Carapaz. And Nibali was closing Carapaz down to nine seconds with Hindley in the wheel, and then Hindley snaps away. And Nibali was on a gap, and I started getting fearful. The inner Benji Nibali fan was getting tears in his eyes. And, well, he was doing a bit of an Almeida. Let's be honest about it. He was dropping, but when Hindley caught up with Carapaz, the tempo goes down, and Nibali slowly but surely makes his way back. At that point, did you see those three fighting for the stage, or was there someone else that you had in mind? Well, Yates was coming back. He'd finally made his move on the Madalena. He'd probably sat on Pozza Vivo and Almeida, who were a little bit behind, and he gets to that group. I think on there's a there's a false summit of this climb, and pretty much Carapaz, Hindley, and Nibali stop a little bit. They're pacing just to keep Almeida at 15, 25 seconds, but it allows Yates to come back and... I don't know where Lander was. He lent on Bilbao a lot. They go to the top of that, the summit of that Madalena climb, group of four, Yates, Carapaz, Nibali, Hindley, Nibali's the descender pedigree, Yates is no GC threat, Hindley's looked the strongest, Carapaz has just done a big effort, but you never can count him out. And there's an intermediate sprint on this last little kicker like three, four, five Ks from the finish, the Parco del Nobile, and I thought Yates is going to go on that. He is going to attack really hard. He sat on the entire descent at the back, did not pull a turn whatsoever on the climb. Hindley and Carapaz had to pull, and then at, at that intermediate sprint, Yates just lit it up, and maybe Carapaz could have gone with him or blind, and they could have chased him back. I don't believe it. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not, but... The decision is when you're like, I could go over my limit here for what? Like, Yates is not a GC threat and I have Hindley in the wheels. So, yeah. So immediately True. they just stop. Gap goes to 10 seconds. Yates gone. And, you know, the stage win beckons. And he does. He wins. He set his sixth Giro stage, 15 seconds ahead of Hindley, who won the bunch sprint again. He's looking very snappy, Hindley. Carapaz third. Nibley fourth. One of the best stages this year. I would really recommend go GCM Plus. Watch watch the last 50Ks. If you have two, three hours this weekend, incredible stage. Pozzo fifth on 28. That's only 13 seconds behind the Hindley <laughs> Carabas Nibley group. Ridiculous. Almeida sixth. He got dropped by Pozzo V on the descent. He is Martinez level bad. Maybe worse. He, he is on the hoods the entire descent. He... Is heavier than Pozzo getting dropped on a minus 3% straight section. Like, there's something wrong with his descending, <laughs> Almeida. Seriously, it's like physiologically. Obviously, Remco's a better descender. People won't easily. like hearing easily. it. Easily a better descender than, than Almeida because Remco's not actually that bad of a descender these days anymore. But it feels like Almeida has gone backwards. And I'd argue perhaps that's... Uh, there's equipment things where he's like, he doesn't trust the equipment here as much as he did with Quickstep. But back in the day with Quickstep, he also wasn't the most godlike descender. I swear, last year, Alpe Mota, uh, the descent beforehand he dropped, was it in Emilia this year or was it last year that he ended up like dropping in between the hills? And, and Paso Jao descent, I need to look at the numbers. I think he was very slow there as well. That was a wet sort of technical descent from high altitude. But 
he's there's bad descenders where like, you're like, oh, that guy will never attack. Does but if you are competent enough, like he's so bad that literally Lander can say to Bilbao, I'm being serious, like Lander can say to Bilbao, just go on the descent and increase the pressure in this group of ten. And he will drop from a group of 10 without like a massive nebly descent attack. And then if there's nine in a valley with domestiques, the energy you have to put in chasing to get back on, which he does 90% of the time, it's got to cost something. So it's a real problem for Almeida. But he saved it still only 24 seconds behind the Himley group after being dropped on the first Superga. Just ridiculous. Uh, Lander seventh on 51 with Bilbao. Buchmann ninth. JP Lopez uh, lost a lot. He was on four minutes 25. El Patron Juanpe. He's no. dead. Valverde 8.04. Where Guillaume Martin 9.37. He's going to need to go back in a break to get that time back. <laughs> Aaronsman mooted to sign with Ineos. He lost 10 minutes today. That'll be a bit concerning for Had them. Had a bit of bad luck, but also he was initially already not in the split. So regardless of that bad luck, he wouldn't have made it in that front group either. But Hoverde as well. Hoverde was coming back to get with Almeida, but was dropped by Almeida at the bottom of the Superga climb when they were catching up to the group of Bora. And then Valverde ended up doing that illegal bike change that you mentioned. I don't think, regardless of that bike change, I think Valverde would have lost time today, and he kept bleeding time towards the top of Superga as well afterwards. But, like, there's so many stories to this stage. The attacks of Bora there, we've got the resurrection of Vincenzo Nibali, or the continued resurrection. He was kind of already pretty good on Blockhouse, can we say. Consolation prize for Simon Yates, who on one end will be happy with winning the stage, but on the other hand, he will know that this was not what he came to the Giro for. And then you look at the tactical fuck-up of UAE, for example, and the descending of Almeida, Pozzo doing so well. There's so many small stories here. And yeah, I, uh, I once again want to give a bit of an appreciation message for the man himself, El Patron Juanpe, a man that we might not have seen as glorious as he became during this Giro, before the Giro. But uh, he certainly proved himself a real leader, uh, a supreme leader of the peloton in this race, despite... He, he seems like he's a bit of a, a bit of an impulsive guy, you know, throwing beatons at people, throwing beatons on the floor. I don't know. There's some there's some pattern there going on. Well, yeah, people should just make sure they get things right for him, <laughs> and then there won't be any problems. Um, the GC though, upturned. Well, I say upturned. Actually, not really. Juanpe is the man that goes for all. Bora invested today. They gained one second on Carapaz with Hindley because Carapaz took a second at the intermediate on Hindley and Hindley took two seconds on him in the finish. Buchmann loses, I think, a minute on Carapaz. They gain some time on Almeida, 23 seconds from Hindley to Almeida. Is this a win for Bora after all they invested today, Benji? It's hard to say, but... I think reacting on this right now is in complete hindsight because when I was watching it during the race, I was feeling like they were upsetting the race completely and that this would be ending very well for them. But their competitors just kept holding on. So is that perhaps because of the fact that they didn't play out their numerical value enough, their advantage there on that second Superga? Perhaps there's something there. But... I, I'm just happy that they did what they did because they made the stage so 
much better. But you're right. They didn't gain too much. They invested a lot of energy. The next two days won't be easy. Will it be too much? That's something we'll see in the coming days. But if you don't try, you won't win. What was the point of Buchmann? Why was Hindley, by the way, before the last Superga, no, before Colle de la Madalena, why was Hindley pulling on the flat when Buchmann was in the group? Now, maybe he couldn't pull. Perhaps Buchmann was done. Perhaps, but he only lost a minute doing the entirety of Madalena and the descent solo. So, like, really? He couldn't pull on the flat, and yet they didn't use him as a second GC threat in the stage to attack really either? Like, I didn't get it. Hinley, I think, was the strongest on the stage. Yeah. He he was so good on the climbs and descents. Is there something there that they wanted to try something here, but didn't feel like offering up their second GC rider Buchmann completely and therefore didn't risk him completely in the final of the stage somehow to keep him up there in GC? I mean, yeah, but Hin- they're, they're using Hinley to pace. Yeah, like, makes no sense. Right. Car- <laughs> That's why the Carapaz move wasn't so bad. Like, A, it's possible Hinley with a lead out and resting drops him on that final climb. It's possible. Hinley was looking really good if Nibley attacked. B, he, yes, it wasn't ideal. If Bill Bow wasn't there and couldn't respond, it's possible that he takes 35, 40 seconds. Bill, Bill Bow kept it. Uh, but C, he had he was basically riding a one-up TT against Hinley for like part of it. So, yeah, I don't really think he lost a relative advantage or was losing to Hinley in that scenario too much, at least got ahead of the race. Um, and yeah, he basically eliminated them, like Lander and Bilbao and Buchmann and Hinley, putting him in a difficult situation. But what do you think about GC now, Benji? Carapaz goes into the Malia Rosa, slender lead, Ineos absent today, Sivakov and Port, Castroviejo, not there. What do you see? Like Carapaz, he's great El Haguara. He's been fighting a solo battle in Grand Tours for years. How would you feel if you were like me and you'd pick Carapaz? I'm pretty comfortable, actually. I understand that you're pretty comfortable. Although that Hindley is looking really good as a competitor there, I'd argue that Carapaz... Ah, I trust somehow Ineos more to make the right decisions, although that Bora made a a pretty solid initial decision of trying to light today's stage up to try and beat some of their competitors today. But I think if you're both Ineos or Bora camp, you should be consistent with the position that you are currently in. The only thing about Karapaz that I still have is that he wasn't able to gain time on Blockhouse and I was expecting him to be able to. That's as simple as that. But if I'm, for example, Joao Almeida, I'm actually pretty damn happy with the outcome of today's stage, knowing how... UAE was so slow to respond when he was in trouble, knowing how he had to do most of it himself to try and fix it, and that he was able to still be on 30 seconds on today's stage. Like, I'm relatively confident with that, knowing that I feel like he's better on the longer climbs than on stages like this. Do I feel like week three could be the savior for him? I don't know. Like, I don't think there's any stage like this anymore where it's actually actually like, a medium mountain stage, right? There are stages where you can attack early, but I feel like it's all larger climbs. Or am I wrong? 
Well, yeah, that dovetails neatly into tomorrow's stage, which, as Benji mentions, is a much more traditional mountain stage from Rivarolo Canavese to Konya, 177 k's, and it's like uphill rolling terrain, and then they got two cat ones, 12.2 k's, 7%, the, what's it called, Pila Le Fleur. Uh, it's pretty steady. There's a 10% K in the middle. It levels off at the end. That'll just be a calorie burner initially. Then there's the Veronia climb, 14K, 7%. Again, a couple of 10% Ks in the first four Ks, but there's some lower gradient Ks in the final. Descent, there's very little flat, like 5Ks between those two climbs and the last climb to Konya, which is 4.5Ks, 8%, and then it just progressively gets shallower and shallower and shallower. Middle 5Ks, I'm guesstimating, averages 6%. The last 8Ks is false flat uphill. It's like 2 to 3% the entire time. I thought this would have been a great stage for Aronsman if Bardet was still here because he's got a lot of overall watts. He's like 70 kilos, but he's not. He's out of GC and Bardet's not here. So that's a shame. This is a climb and a stage where satellite riders can also be important, but also if you have a rider up the road, it's something that the other GC contenders will not want to pull back. This reminds me a lot of Cool Mayer, the finish, in 2019, when Carapaz went away and Nibali and Roglic looked at each other, it's like an annoying gradient. But it's hot. GC teams might be tired today or a try today. Ineos, I expect Ineos to be better on this tomorrow, Benji. I expect so as well. And I'm going to be the annoying guy that says that I expect nothing too crazy from GC on this stage. And the main reason being that today was such a hard stage for every single team, for every GC rider that... I'd be really surprised if someone's willing to completely obliterate tomorrow's stage again to try and set tactical things up and try and do something like that. This reminds me of that stage. What is it? Oh, there was a stage in, was it last year or the year before, where there was an uphill finish where either O'Connor or Trotnik won. I don't know which of the ones I'm referring to, but the group behind stayed somewhat together and we had a group sprint in, in the peloton behind it, like a 20-man group reaching the finish line. It would not surprise me if it's like a stage like that and I'd be looking at the breakaway for this one. Yeah, it's certainly possible that the GC teams look at this finish and they're like, well, what are you going to do with that? You know, <laughs> you're not going to drop anyone on 2%. If you want to make a difference, you have to blow the stage up early and I don't really see why Ineos would um maybe they will I mean if I just don't trust their team at the moment but yeah I think this could be Simon Yates back-to-back Benji like it's possible he wins tomorrow's stage as well he won like he was so good today he's still so far back on GC he took 100 UCI points I think in Wienendahl Classic Groenewerk and won it Dutch won one race. He took 125. So Bike Exchange is trying to have themselves a UCI points weekend. But you're right. It's. I wish Dylan Turns was here because I'd pick him for the stage. Who are you going with? It's so difficult to pick a rider for this stage because on one end, I'm like looking at who lost time today and then I'm looking at Damon Ardensman. Like you mentioned, as a rider that could do something, Wave Bardet was in this race from the GC group. But 
would he be allowed to go in the breakaway 11 minutes back? I would expect yes, but he's also not the rider that I see fighting for the breakaway initially. So especially not on a flat start like this. So I'm kind of like, meh. But if he's in the breakaway, he really has a chance of getting something done here. And next to that, perhaps Akun Bauman again. He Was he in the break today or at least at the front at some point today? Because I swear that I, I, hear, I heard the Dutch commentators mention his name a lot. But then again, that could just be because he's Dutch. That's also a good reason for Dutch commentators to mention Kun Bauman. But what names are you thinking of initially? I want Kelderman in the break. He did the best teammate work ever today. Get him in the break. Maybe if you see someone struggling and Hindley's on a great day, he can be a satellite rider again. Maybe the break goes out and he can go for that elusive stage win. Um, maybe he's cooked after today. Guillaume Martin will get in the break, but he'll ride for GC, not for uh, not for the stage. He'll just want to take time back. Ah, oh, I'm going Formula stage win. Okay. Okay, I actually believe that's that's possible on a stage like that. But I also want to mention now that we've mentioned this stage that I actually don't know if the time limit will have been reached by every single rider on today's stage. Apparently, they had a 10 minutes with a time limit. Yeah, they're extending it. Oh, okay. It's a fixed, Benji. They're not going to OTL Cav or anyone. Absolutely not. Why is there <laughs> a time limit then? It makes zero sense. If RCS OTLs the sprinters who've actually tried to stay and not left, they will never get any staying again after the, <laughs> the stage 13. So they have to let them stay. They can come in two hours in. They're like, thanks the to RCS is dishonoring the race by yep. adding time to the time limit. Time cut should be 5%, seven minutes out. You're done. Um, <laughs> How many rides would we have left at the end? I think Valor would be out. So, yeah, it'd be the top eight in GC <laughs> just about, which yeah, might be entertaining to see. Uh, but, yeah, I like Formulo. And Simon Yates, except it's he need to go quite early, but he went early. What was the stage? Is there our stage? He was up ahead early, but that's a beast of a climb. You need to be a serious climber, and there'll be a thinning out on that second to last climb. And I'm hoping there's GC action. No, that's seven. Oh, come on. Maori's going to do it. I'm going to wave my Belgian flag tomorrow. I can Jesus. feel it. Wow, Van Aert would win this stage if he was here. Perfect finish for him, but he's he's not. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's GC action. They spent a lot of bullets today. This has been an incredibly good race already. The margins are so tight. No rider seems to be clearly better than the other. I think it's a shame Bardet is not here, but Carapaz, Hindley, Nibali, Lander, are very evenly matched. If it comes down to the GC group, you do not want to let Almeida get a gap on this finish either. He is the diesel uh, who can just keep going on a shallow gradient finish like this. But hope you enjoyed the recap. Let us know. Do you think Carapaz made the right move going so early on the last Superherica? Do you think Bora got the most out of the stage that they could have with Hindley in incredible shape? And what do you think about Joe Almeida's prospects? He's going to continue bleeding time or will he take it back at some no, point? No, 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 no. He's going to win every jersey. I told you at the start, <laughs> mate. No, Rose has got Malia Azura <laughs> wrapped up. <laughs> and Chiclamino, I think. <laughs> That'll be it. Is that mathematically possible? <laughs> you can take Chiclamino. Everything's mathematically possible as long as other people can OTL. Hopefully. Is Juan Pei even eligible for white jersey? 
Well, Hindley, white jersey's like, you'll be 26 years old. You can take it. Anyway, <laughs> that's all from us today. Check out the stage with a replay of today on GCM Plus, and we're going to go on Swift pretty shortly, and we'll see you at the recap of stage 15 tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 